0: What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports, College Football, and NFL Draft Podcast. This is your host, Matt Miller, at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, joined by my man at M-E-L-L-O. It's alive. It's Mello. We are back in Joplin, and Mello's girls are at the podcast recording tonight because single dad life. Yeah, no soccer tonight.
1: It's just us. And my daughter. So hopefully they're quiet the whole time.
0: If you hear or something else. that sounds like kids eating goldfish crackers or laughing at iPads, that's that's mellows. When girl. those uh, tops get popped, it's, <laughs> it's them. them. Yeah. <laughs> the natty lights tonight are being consumed by a giant of a six-year-old and the meanest four-year-old in the world. So Probably we, true. We have a fun show tonight. We're going to go around the league with some news and notes, which has been a slow week. You expect that after the draft. Then we're going to give our top five. UDFA. So we each pick five undrafted free agents. And then because we have neglected our stickies, other than all the shout outs you guys got on the live show, we are going to give you our extended draft on draft.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of them loaded up, ready to go. I would say you are correct, though. We gave them so many shout
0: outs. Uh, especially those stick to football hall of fame guys though. So I don't know if they knew this. I should have, I should have admitted this at some point in the draft. You all tweeted out the drinking games for, if you were watching the live stream and I intentionally tried to do that as many times as possible. (laughs) And, like, would tell Connor, like, touch your hair. Like, I was trying. <laughs> Sending
1: him a message every yeah. five minutes. It's time for
0: you to touch yeah, it's your it's hair. It's time again. for you to touch your hair. Yeah, I was trying so hard to hit those the drinking marks. So, hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Uh, the numbers, the feedback from the stream was was fantastic. So, again, echoing what Connor and I said on Wednesday morning, we really, really appreciate you guys. Um, and, and we have big plans for the 2019-2020 season. That information will all be coming out this summer. So, if you want to get out see us on a tailgate tour, you're going to have a chance to do that. And for some reason, I walked in this office and my allergies started acting up. I guess it's because I haven't been in here in two weeks.
1: That's, it happens to me too. We might need to look into like some office things. I, humidifier? I, I don't know what's going on here. This but like my allergies have been screwed up the last like two, three weeks. It seems like
0: and they're fine until we sit down to do yeah, the my podcast. My throat is like all itchy and scratchy now. Yeah, this place is haunted. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get into some news. Again, there's not much going on right now, and especially because you guys hate when we go all Chiefs or all Texas. So we got to spread it around, even though it was a heavy <laughs> Chiefs and Texas news week, The only news coming out is Chiefs in Texas related. But there was this. Uh, Steve Kime comes out and says... The Kyler Murray will be the starter, which they're not going to compete. They're not even going to do the. that. You know, we brought in uh, who they bring in Brett Hundley. He's going to compete We're gonna see what happens. It's like, nah, we drafted this dude at one. He's going to play right away. And I like that. I actually appreciate the candor of a team being like, guys, we drafted a player who has an outlier in every sense of the word. We broke all the rules of scouting. We're going to play him and let him, we got to figure out what we got. And I think it helps Josh
1: Rosen, too, because everybody's killing him from, you know, Steve Smith to all these people on Twitter. They come out and announce there was no competition. There was no, oh, hang around, keep liking our Instagram page and come win (laughs) your job. I mean, they come out and they say, like we all knew already, there was no competition for Josh Rosen to win. He Actually handled himself very very well in this situation, and I have not been his biggest supporter off the field. I always thought that he kind of rubbed people the wrong way, but he handled this situation extremely well. I think better than anybody could have handled it. So props to him. And then the Cardinals obviously coming out saying their number one draft pick is going to be a day one starter. It's yeah, like
0: no duh. I had so, so many weird thoughts on this, and I've been. I'm with you. I've been on the side of like you know Rosen needs to prove himself. He needs to prove that he has the thick skin the maturity to go to Miami and have that. Like when I was on the Left Go show, we talked about this. He needs to go to Miami and have that attitude of you guys messed up and I'm gonna prove you wrong. And it's funny how we were all sitting around talking one night before or after the draft, I don't remember, and we were talking about Steve Smith's rant. And I was like, yeah, I don't really know how to feel about it. And so we're just hashing things out. And I was like, you know, it'd be like if Bleach Report hired Daniel Jeremiah, like how would I react? And I'm trying to be like I would be all about competing and everything, and you're like, no, you wouldn't, dude. Like you'd be, yeah, it'd be very tough, be very upset immediately. Even though he and I are friends, that might make it worse. So I, I actually do. I I think this might be one of the last times we talk about Josh Rosen until September, or hopefully it is. Um, and, and I I hope that he has success. Like, I want that for him. I liked him. He was my number three quarterback uh, in that draft, I believe. No, dang, he was number two. He was my number number two two quarterback quarterback in that draft. So I really liked Rosen. I hope that Miami with, I think Laramie Thompson is one of the best young left tackles in football. Hopefully getting Michael Dieter in there will help him out. And like, again, I feel like there are so many misconceptions about how we root for people. I want everyone to succeed. I don't think it's fun to watch anyone be a bust and watch them have to deal with that. I hope Kyler Murray has success. Playing in a very tough division, I hope he changes the NFL and we see more guys like him getting a chance. I, I, I'm 5'10 and a, a couple of hairs, or the hairs I used to have. <laughs> like I, That would have been my dream growing up. I always felt like I was way too small, not that I was not athletic. I always thought my height was holding me back. So I really hope that, that Kyler Murray opens more doors for people. and I, I think he will, definitely. I mean, he's
1: revolutionized the way that we're going to have to look at college prospects. Because that whole six foot quarterback, it's not a thing anymore. Uh, All these kids that have had to change positions in the past uh, because we told them they couldn't play quarterback, I think all of that is out the window.
0: And you can thank Kyler Murray for that. Can we talk about something that's not on the rundown? Just because I I checked my Twitter real quick and something that has been going on all week, because I wrote this story about uh, like the untold stories of the draft, and there was a a part of that was about like a, a rift in San Francisco, just like some friction. Maybe between Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. And I, I think, number one, it's been blown way out of proportion where people think that it's like Game of Thrones and, and they're forcing each other out. Uh, number two, I would like to say somehow this rumor got started that I hate John Lynch. Number one, I, I don't think people sometimes catch the humor in our voices. Maybe if you're a casual listener or you haven't, maybe you listen to Go show and not always us. So you heard me on there like joking about John Lynch and people are like, oh, my God, Matt hates John Lynch. That that could not be further from the truth. I don't think he's been a great general manager. I don't have any ill will against the man. I loved watching him as a player and I've, I've rooted for that team my whole life. I want them to do well. I genuinely do. The second thing, and this is ridiculous guys at no point in time, have I ever been a candidate for the San Francisco 49ers general manager job? If I had been a candidate, I would have done anything to get that job. That is my team. If like, do you not think, knowing me, that I would have not bragged about that every day on Twitter <laughs> if I had been even asked to do a conference call for an interview? I would have been taking pictures of them calling me. Oh, like, yeah, screenshots. There's, you guys would have heard about it daily daily. If a team had interviewed me, I would have brought it up every chance I got on this podcast. I'd be like, you know, Mello, when the Niners interviewed yeah, you, would, the you would job, have humble
1: bragged everything. Like,
0: oh, this reminds me of when I was in San Francisco right? for
1: the Niners interview. So
0: I love that there's this thought out there that I was somehow a candidate for this job and I hate John Lynch because he stole it from me. I... Uh, I am not a humble man, but I have always been upfront about I am not qualified to be a general manager of a football team. I'll say it again, just in case anyone's ever missed me saying it. I would take the job. I would fail at it, but I'd take that money for five years. You know I would. And even though you joke about, like, being a
1: fan of other teams, we all know you're a real 49ers fan. Like, if you know you, you know
0: you're a 49ers fan. If you walk into our office, there is a photo of Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. (laughs) Like, that's the first thing you see in the office, so... And I, I will say this. We appreciate all our new listeners. We understand you're maybe learning the tone of this podcast and some of the humor. So I don't hate John Lynch, and I've never been a candidate for that job. That maybe I just didn't know about it. Maybe Jed York was like, maybe you know, that Bleacher Report guy. Somebody saw your Pretty name good. on a board and was like, I liked his last mock draft, right? <laughs> Which means he can evaluate talent. Um, speaking of evaluating talent, we have tried to... Be mindful of how Chiefs and Texas-centric this podcast can be at times because we are fans, and that's exciting, and it's fun, and you want to talk about what you know, especially when those teams are in the news, like when Texas was back. You want to talk about that, or when the Chiefs are making a Super Bowl run. You want to talk about that. Today, those worlds collided, Mellow, because Jamal Charles and Derek Johnson both signed one-day deals to retire as Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's a pretty cool thing that they both came home Being Texas guys, uh, DJ was a 2005 pick. Jamal was a 2008 pick. So not a lot of crossover in Austin. None, actually, I guess. Nope, none. None. But uh, a cool moment if you're a Chiefs fan, if you're a Texas fan. So for people like you, who's actually both, a pretty cool day.
1: Yeah, it is. And to see both of them kind of get their recognition, NFL careers don't always end the way you want to. I think a lot of the players in the NFL kind of hang on, so you have to come back for these one-day Contracts, but it is cool to get to see both of them retire as Kansas City Chiefs on the same day because uh, they they weren't at Texas at the same time as each other, but they did really build a Chiefs like fan base. They didn't build it, but they helped carry it on. And it was their generation of, okay, this is the Jamal Charles on offense. This is Derek Johnson on defense. And I I loved both of those players, two of my favorite college players ever. So it is good to see them get that celebration at the end of their career.
0: Now, here is what I think is topical about this. Jamal Charles retired with the highest career yards per attempt uh, record, 5.9 yards per attempt, which is crazy. (laughs) It's like Gale Sayers stuff. Actually, it's better than Gale Sayers. Um, Is he a Hall of Famer? The longevity of it makes me question it. So I think like with Terrell Davis, you would you would say, oh, well, but like look at Terrell Davis. TD did win two Super Bowls. Jamal was a four-time Pro Bowler, a two-time All-Pro. I don't think you could ever say he was the best running back in football. No, but I mean, he was always up there. Yeah, he was like maybe second best. So he had 7,563 yards in his career, 44 touchdowns, and again, and he added another twenty five hundred yards receiving. So he's got over ten thousand total yards from scrimmage, which seems important. That seems like a big mm-hmm. number. Um, I don't think he is. I don't think he is
1: either. I mean, he had a stretch of like what six seasons, probably yeah. five, five, six seasons. I don't think he is. As much as I like him, I just I don't think that it's not the hall of a really good players. <laughs> he should be like the fantasy football hall of fame.
0: Yeah, probably so. Is that a thing? Uh, I mean, it's got to be. If it's not, we're on it. We're like these guys that, like, you're they were your dude in fantasy. You're like, yeah, he deserves something. I really like a uh, pro football reference, it's one of my favorite websites. And they look at his career. Who here are the players that he statistically compares to? Deuce McAllister, which that is a blast in the past. Greg Pruitt, I don't actually know who that is, which I don't <laughs> know what that says about me. Maybe I'm just young. I actually don't, I have to click on this because I don't know who that is. Okay. I don't know yep. who it is. He played in the 70s, early 80s. Okay. Ooh, good. Uh, Robert Smith, who again, another guy retired early. Kurt Warner uh, with a C, not a K. Uh, Sean Alexander, know him. Sam Cunningham, Wilbert Montgomery, Jim Nance, and Delvin Williams. So he's going to be a great broadcaster. One yeah, I would say no time. on the Hall of Fame. Though. I, just, I don't think that he's yeah.
1: quite done it. Very good player. Wouldn't be upset if he got in, <laughs> but I don't think he
0: has the qualifications. Yeah, really. And a, like a fun dude to talk to. We got a chance to hang out with him this past uh, September. Loved him at Texas. And I actually feel like he, like he was just there and he was gone. He was like a blip, you know? Yeah. Well, he was there. He
1: was kind of there for a dark time, I think. Like when we started to suck. He was bad. there for the Chance Mock year. I know that. And he was there freshman year. He was on the national championship team. Yeah. And then Vince left and I was like, oh shit. So have, like freshman Colt McCoy, he had to carry that team. And then sophomore Colt McCoy, he had to carry that team.
0: And then, and he, then was he was out. gone. He and yeah. Jermichael Finley. The first, I think, underclassman to leave under uh Mac Brown. So that is the Texas segment of the podcast today. Derek Johnson's not a Hall of Famer. I'm just gonna move on from that. It's, it's not even <laughs> a conversation. Tua Tungavailoa, whose name I can now pronounce, you guys are welcome, because I'm gonna be saying it a lot in the next year, is the favorite, according to a Las Vegas sports book, I don't remember which one, to go number one overall in the 2020 NFL draft. The odds, I believe, were negative 300. I would like to mortgage my house and put all of that money on that bet because I don't think Tua will be the number one player picked. I don't think he'll be the number one quarterback picked. I actually think it'll be Justin Herbert. Not who I would pick, but who I think the NFL will like. My money's on Herbert. Man, I actually totally agree with you. I like Tua's game.
1: He's not that far ahead of everybody else. Like even if you look back at this class, I I don't think he's that far ahead of like a Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray. I still don't even know how to scout him or say what he's going to do in the NFL. But Tua has a lot of holes in his game. I think durability is a big question for me. I want to see how healthy those legs are and arm strength is really it has not shown up. Now he has excellent touch on his pass. I think he's going to be a top ten quarterback. But I would bet some money that he is not the number one quarterback as well. And I think you're right with Justin Herbert. I think that his name's already out there. He is the 6'5", 230 mobile guy. He can come in and have a very big year at Oregon. They have Jawan Johnson now from Penn State. uh, A great offensive line returning there. I think Justin Herbert has the best chance to be the number one quarterback taken but if we're going number 1 player overall, I'm thinking Chase Young still.
0: I think Chase Young's got a great chance. Walker Little does too. Um, it, depending, We haven't seen an offensive tackle go number 1 overall in, in a little bit, but it is definitely possible, especially it does depend on who has the first pick. If it's like the New York Jets, then I can see him going left tackle, uh, depending right. on who the new general manager would be. Yeah, or
1: even if it's a team like the Dolphins, and Rosen has proven enough, they're not going to go quarterback. I mean, if it's the Bengals, yeah, they're probably going to take a quarterback. But I mean, yeah. Right. I would I would bet large amounts of money that Tua is not the number one pick.
0: Yeah, like I actually really want to. Like, <laughs> like how much can I take out of my uh, portfolio and put on this? Because like that's my kids are going to college on that money. Uh, that is around the league. When we come back from this break, we're going to rank our top 10 undrafted free agents and tell you why they're a good fit with the teams they landed on. All right, we are back. It's time for top fives. We know you guys love these. This is my reminder. Send us your top five suggestions. Please don't DM them to us, though. Tweet them to us at stick to football at mellow at NFL Draft Scout. If you have topics that you want us to cover in top fives this summer, doesn't even have to be strictly football. If it kind of touches football, like what are your top five favorite beers to drink while watching football? We can do that. Mm-hmm. What are the five best ways to eat nachos? Like Things like that. It, <laughs> With your hands. If it <laughs> sounds <laughs> like football, we can we can include it. So I'm going to flip the coin. Uh per usual, mellow is heads. I'm Tails. Remember, Tails never fails, kids. And it is Heads. You're actually on a winning streak.
1: <laughs> I'm on a heater right now. Uh number one overall pick for the UDFAs for me. Going over this list, I was actually really surprised that some of the guys that were available. Uh, I'm gonna start this draft off with Tyree Jackson. Uh being a quarterback and going undrafted in this this draft where we saw guys like Easton stick. I really thought Tyree Jackson had a lot of skill, a lot of arm talent. Uh, We mentioned it on the live stream with the draft. The people at Madden say he's going to have the second strongest arm in the entire league. If he makes the roster, a very, very high potential guy. If you can get him in and work with him a little bit on some of the fundamentals, I really like him. The Buffalo bills, pick him up, team him up with, you know, Josh Allen, I would just like to go to their practices and see both of these guys throw the football.
0: Yeah. I really like Tyreek Jackson. I was shocked that he didn't get drafted. And I think this is a situation where I really wish he had used the transfer portal because mm-hmm. a lot of folks will say like, Oh, what could he get? What's he going to do by going back? He is the one of the guys that you can point to and say, he has all the traits. It's not about going back to school to de- to show traits. It's about going back to school to improve your accuracy, which mm-hmm. you've got to show that that could get better. So What's done is done. I think he should have gone back to school. He didn't. Whatever. It, it, hopefully it, it improves
1: are... your value, too. It does. Like You look at guys like Drew Locke who went back to school. Everybody knew coming into 2019, like, okay, we're going to have to watch Drew Locke. Yeah, He's not some hidden gem that you have to find through the draft process in Buffalo. If he would have had his name coming in here or used the transfer portal, he definitely would have had a more value. And, I mean, people are talking about him, so his stock is up. It just wasn't going into
0: 2019. I uh, want to admit something up front. I did not put any offensive linemen or defensive linemen on my list. I think that like there will be guys who are undrafted O-linemen, D-linemen who make rosters. I went all or nothing. Like I'm swinging for the fences on all my guys, okay? so I, I went... have one defensive lineman. <clears throat> That's it. Puna Ford was last year. <laughs> you know that, right? Like, you got, yeah. We got it. You called your shot. You don't have to remind us. Um, I'm going to piss people off. I'm going to take a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. I might take two because I think they did a great job in the scouting process of bringing in undrafted free agents. I'm going to start with a player that is at a huge position of need for the Chiefs, and they didn't draft anyone here until late day three because of limited picks. I'm going to take Mark Fields, the corner from Clemson. Mark Fields, if you just watched Clemson practice, you would have thought he was the best corner on this team. Not Traven Mullen, not any of those younger guys. You would think it was Mark Fields. I actually watched him practice in L.A. at the NFLPA game, and I talked to the the guys who were running it, and was like, what is he doing here? Like, mm-hmm. this guy doesn't belong here. And the, the, so you would start talking to people, and you hear, well, Clemson, like, crushed this dude in team interviews. Like, just immature, maybe a little bit lazy. I hope that Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo can connect with him and can light a fire under him because Mark Fields has the talent to be a starting corner in the NFL. He was another guy
1: on my list that I just I didn't understand why he went undrafted, but lands in a great situation with Kansas City. And I'm actually, I'm up again. I'm going to stick with the Buffalo Bills because we had David Sills V on this podcast, and I really liked him uh, interviewing him. So I know that he didn't bomb interviews throughout this process. And I really liked his game, too. This is a guy that has not been playing receiver that long. Uh, had a decent 40-time, has good length. I think he has a chance to develop into something good. in uh, very impressive hands. In the red zone, I think yeah. he could really be a target maybe for these quarterbacks in Buffalo, but for Buffalo to pick him up, I think that's a very good addition. Get him in camp. See what he
0: can do. You might be surprised. I was really surprised that he didn't get drafted as well because he just catches everything. And in mm-hmm. Buffalo, they have no size at receiver, so I could see him working his way into that lineup. Um, I was telling Melo before we started recording, I feel like I have 20 players on my list, so <laughs> it's very hard to actually narrow it down right now. Uh, I want, kind of wanted to do a funny one, but I'm going to take this a little more seriously than normal. The New Orleans Saints, we know how good this front office is. 2017, maybe one of the best drafts the team has ever had. Uh, the talent that they were able to bring in last year, they, they sold out to get Marcus Davenport. Unfortunately, he got hurt. I actually think they did some of their best work in the UDFA process this year. I'm going to take wide receiver LJ Humphrey from Texas. Oh. No speed to his game. <laughs> None. None. He ran like a four eight. He's slow but he's faster on the field and he can work in a specialized role. And I think that's what Sean Payton's good at. Like hell, look at Taysom Hill, LJ Humphrey. I do believe can get on this field. If they give him chances in the preseason to just get touches because he will make things happen he can play in the slot. He could play on the outside and maybe you can like try to figure out like, does he need to shed weight? Because this is a thick bodied guy. I think you can find ways to highlight his quickness and cover up his lack of straight line speed, but you know he does need to expand his route game a lot. But I liked L.J. Humphrey. I think if you would have told people in November that he was going to go undrafted, a lot of people would have argued against that.
1: Yeah, they would have said he's undrafted because he's staying in school. Exactly. Twenty twenty. Very surprising that he was not drafted. And like you said, he doesn't have that straight line speed. But I thought his speed showed up on tape and, and on the field. Uh, so I, I didn't understand that. And in that. that
0: offense, come on.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he can play slot receiver. You got a lot of size there, too. I'm up next. Um, I'm kind of at a... um, I'm taking your guys. You didn't take my guys, but it's like, do I really want to draft this person right now? I know. I'm going to go local boy here. Uh, I'm going with Alex Barnes. The, The product from Kansas State, the Titans pick him up, and they like their power backs. And I liked Alex Barnes' game a lot, too. Uh, Not just because he's from Pittsburgh, Kansas, about 20 minutes away from us, but I think he can come in and really spell and help out when Derrick Henry is going to eventually get injured. I just, I don't see his body holding up over time and somebody has got to come in and take some carries away from him. I think Alex Barnes can be that guy. I think he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. He's going to work his ass off, and he's going to make the team. Uh, Maybe it's as a second or third running back this year, but I think he's a guy who's going to work his way up that depth chart to where he's uh, eventually earning some carries, not just because we need to keep Derrick Henry healthy, but because he's proven himself on the field that he can do it time after time.
0: Yeah, I like that fit. Well, I think that's a really good scheme fit, honestly. Like, he matches up well with what they want to do. Obviously, Derrick Henry's there, so it would make some sense that he could fill that role. Goodness gracious, this is so much harder than I thought it would be. That's what she said. Um, I'm going to go with a linebacker. The Detroit Lions grabbed Trey Lamar, and I am I like Trey Lamar, and I, I want to be really transparent about something, and I, I think I've said this before. When I first started watching uh, Clemson tape, this was probably January, and so... Sometimes the tape process for us is a little bit weird. So what I was able to get my hands on first were rundowns, like run, run stops. And I was like, this 57 is an animal. So I really liked him. Like, I liked him a lot. I wrote about him. I I ranked him. I liked Trey Lamar. And then I started watching him in coverage and was like, oh, no. And then I had an agent call me and he was like, hey, I recruit a lot of Clemson players. That kid's not very good. You might want to like recheck stuff. And I was like, I know, dude, like I know, I know. I like, that's the problem with Twitter. Like you watch, you know, 80 snaps of a guy making run stops. You're like, he's really good. And then you watch the other 400 snaps of him in coverage. And you're like, Oh God, can I delete my tweets? Um, So, but I do like Trey Lamar and I think he can have a fit in this team as a depth linebacker. I'm not saying he's going to come in and like take Gerard Davis, starting job, Mm -hmm. but I do think that he can find his way onto this roster Maybe maybe become a decent player when they you know go to a strong side linebacker set where he's actually going to be on the field. He, he is very very good against the run. They did draft Jelani Tavai in the second round, who I know we we all liked a lot. So it would point to maybe getting a little more athletic at linebacker. But I think Trey Lamar is a good enough football player to make this team. Yeah, I was shocked by his
1: too, and I like him. Uh, I think Clemson that defensive line did a, a really good job of keeping him clean. Yeah, but, but at the same time, I mean. It's, it's a two-parter there. They have to do their job. He has to do his, and he was great in run defense. Maybe you can help him out with uh, some footwork and coverage. I'm up next, though. I'm going with the Carolina Panthers. I'm going Elijah Holyfield. Let's just stay with the running backs here. I know that he ran a 4.8, but this is another guy that I thought played faster than that. I'm not saying he's a burner. He's not going to be some game-breaker who's busting 60-yard runs, but he can come in, and he can get you four or five at a time. And for him to go undrafted really shocked me, especially just honestly because of his name. I, I thought that he was a guy that the NFL would see and they would say, okay, Holyfield, we got to highlight him during our draft process. We got to go through this and we're going to talk about him. And they didn't. But for him to go undrafted, I think that he could pair very well with that ripped out animal that is Christian McCaffrey. Because <laughs> I, I don't know what that guy's doing, but man, he's Those in pictures. Shape. Oh my God. he's He can catch the ball very well, obviously. You can split him out wide. But they liked pairing him before with a bigger back like a, you know, James Stewart, somebody like that. And I think Holyfield can be that guy, again, who can be like that second or third running back on your depth chart that you just can't seem to get rid of. You want to get him on the field. You want to find ways to get the ball in his hand. And with McCaffrey, you can do all kinds of crazy shit with him because he can do everything on the football field. So
0: now you can put a guy like Elijah Holyfield on the back in the backfield. I remember uh, probably in around December, a good uh, friend of mine was saying that he thought Holyfield could go like late round one. They're like, we mm-hmm. love his tape, like he's so strong, so physical, and then he ran. And you're like, oop, nope, yeah, never nope. mind. Um, I mean, we did a profile on him. Ty Dunn from Bleacher Report did a really good profile on him. Um, and, and yeah, like he's a good player. I think that's a really good fit for him. My fourth pick, I'm gonna again, like I said, I'm swinging for the fences here. I'm going with a very troubled player who is very talented, wide receiver, Preston Williams. He landed with the Miami dolphins. You can Google a story. It's not good. Uh, It's not good at all. And then his pro day came around and it wasn't good. So I think with Preston Williams, you're like, man, he did not maybe get the best advice throughout this process, but his tape, I thought he was like the best receiver in the country watching him play. But, and when you test as poorly as he did, like, what are you going to do? You know, like it, it it sucks, especially when a guy has a, enough background that he can't come to the combine and prove himself. So Preston Williams, it's a tough situation. If you are a believer in second chances, let's hope that he makes the most of his turns his life around. Because if, if you just go watch some Colorado state, I mean, look the guy up on YouTube. You're going to be blown away by what he can do.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to stick right there in the state of Colorado too. I liked Preston Williams, but I liked Evan Worthington out of Colorado even more. The big safety uh, I like his versatility a lot. He's like 6'2, 212. I thought he was best playing over the top, but he can also play in the box as well. He does everything for you, and he went undrafted. You, the Ravens pick him up, who have some very good safeties already there in house. So if they can kind of, if Evan Worthington can make the team, He's got some good mentors, and he can develop into something. He can play slot corner as well. He can play single high safety. He can play box safety. Whatever you need him to do, and he can contribute on special teams, I think he's going to find a way on the
0: field, and people are going to have a hard time getting him off of it. Yeah, yeah, I liked him a lot, and I you were a bigger fan of him than anyone I knew, so... Uh, and I'm not saying that like, oh, you missed. But like, this was a good player that you pointed out. So yeah, look at this jackass. Yeah, oh, we um, like that. What safety an idiot, from Colorado, right? Uh, um, I'm going to take a tight end as my fifth guy. And a lot of folks are going to scream a homer. <laughs> but it actually makes sense. So hear me out. Andrew Beck from the University of Texas goes to the New England Patriots. Here's my reasoning, Mello. The Patriots did not draft a tight end. The only tight end they signed as a UDFA was Andrew Beck. By the process of elimination, this guy's going to get on the field. They have no tight ends. They lost Rob Gronkowski. Beck can play as an H-back. He can play as a tight end. In line, flex. He's a great special teams player. He was a captain at Texas. Super high character. He's going to make the team. This is the kind of guy they love there. I mean, maybe we just go
1: conspiracy theory. They didn't need to draft a tight end because they knew that they were going to get Beck. They just already made that call. Like, okay, it looks like you're going undrafted. We're going to pick you up. We're going to sign you. He might get on the field. You're definitely right. Everybody thought they needed a tight end very
0: badly. Andrew Beck may just be the answer. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of Nikhil Harry, a lot of Andrew Beck for, for Tom Brady in 2019. Mello, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to close this out with two segments of Draft on Draft. This show is all about the stickies. All right, we are back in it's Draft on Draft time. Melo, we're going to start it off with our guy, Roman Thomas off. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, can I steal the answer and just say
1: honey fire sausage? That's what I was gonna say. Yes, it was so good. But I think that's so predictable. <laughs> Honestly, the best food. Like Shane at Honey Fire, he's not paying us any money to say it. It just is no. it's life-changing. My mouth is watering even Mine is talking too, about I'm it. I'm like, I have Shay's texting me, like, where are we gonna eat dinner? And now it's like Ashley's like 8 hours I, like <laughs> I bet we made a good enough in, like impression with him he would just send us the recipe if he, we were just like don't I show up, up I would mess it up There's asked him no way he could FedEx me some
0: <laughs> like dry ice and then yeah. I would just heat it up yeah <laughs> it would be worth it Shane I know you're a listener we got to figure this out Text me we got to make this happen that is mine I would eat honey fire sausage Three meals a day. I would like put hash browns with it and eat it for breakfast. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like put a bun around it, eat it for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> put some noodles with it, make That's a casserole or
1: something. Eat you it for may dinner. have
0: seen this tweet, but today my son graduated preschool and I was like, yeah, we do preschool graduation ranger." And I was like, you can go anywhere you want for lunch. And he's sitting back there and he's like, I might want to go get Mexican food. I like chips and salsa. And then he's like, oh, go to Cracker Barrel. I could probably get a toy out of this too. And he goes... I want to go to Waffle House because I need some sausage and some <laughs> bacon and some scrambled eggs. <laughs> he like, would. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah. A little redneck. <laughs> He's such a little redneck. Um, all right. Roman, or no, we did Roman. Mason Whitlock. There we go. Which receiver that isn't getting much attention has the best chance of ending up with a round one projection in 2020? Melo, I know that your 2020 watch list is freakishly long at this point, And we've talked about how good of a wide receiver class it is. I want to steal a name from you because I think you'll beat me to it. I want to say Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma state, incredible production. I know the scheme helps, but six foot tall, 185 pounds. He's he and Ceedee lamb are going to be like neck and neck for the best receiver in the big 12. I think. Um, yeah. Big 12 is good at receiver next year. I goodness. agree with you. And I, I think those are two guys that we all
1: know if, especially if you're a college football fan, but I do think that they transition. They're going to be very good prospects as well. Obviously, Jerry Judy is getting a lot of attention. Uh, LaViscus Shaynault is getting a lot of attention. T Higgins is as well. And then after that, that's where I started to get into like CeeDee Lamb. Um, other receivers that aren't getting a lot of attention. Uh, could you throw Henry Rugg's name in that list? I think maybe? so,
0: because he kind of gets forgotten at Alabama.
1: Yeah, or my you know my guy, Devon, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I really like his game uh, with him and Tariq Black at Michigan. Those are two other guys. Uh, Tariq Black was very good his freshman year, like the first day on campus, yep. but he hurt his foot, and he missed a lot of that season, had to take a medical red shirt, and then tried to come back and hurt his other foot. So if he can get right and he can be healthy, I think that both of those guys are going to be very, very good receiver prospects.
0: Yeah, I I do know that um there's a guy at Tennessee, Callaway. Callaway. Yep, that's another name to keep an eye on. That if they can ever figure stuff out at Tennessee, he is a, a player I know people like a lot. So we'll be covering that 2020 wide receiver class extensively. Do not forget the guys at Ohio State are still pretty good. Like I'm going through my list.
1: USC has some good ones. Minnesota. I know we have a lot of Minnesota fans, so they probably already know about Tyler Johnson, but he's definitely a guy I'll be watching. Uh, Victor Butler, right? He's
0: another one that we like. Isn't that his name? Uh, Benjamin,
1: B- Victor Benjamin, yeah. out of Ohio State. Yes. Yep. yep. Uh, oh, I'll throw a name out at you, uh, Demetrius Robertson. It was a Cal transfer, and we talked about him last remember year. remember that, yeah. uh, But he never really found a way on the field at Georgia. He didn't take a red shirt. He was actually on the team. Uh, I think that he just, he was such a late transfer that he had a lot of catching up to do with learning the offense and learning the route tree there. Plus, all the receivers that they already had there, it was very difficult for him to find success on the football field. Now he has a whole year and a half, two years under his belt I think he can come in and he can make some noise with that Georgia offense. Uh, Jake Fromm is going to be looking for a new target, and he just might be number one for him.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for uh, our guy Bruce Feldman does the freaks list. It's going to be all wide receivers this year, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, just everybody in this
1: class, really, though. like hey. Running back is incredibly deep, too. It's it's shaping up to be very exciting. Do you like Jalen Rieger from TCU? No, I don't. I I've seen there's his some name love out for him there. out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm I need to watch more tape on him. uh, Just to be honest, like he's on my list, but he's he's deep in the in the list.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh Next question from Andrew Magnuson. A lot of names I recognize here. It's good to see you guys back in the questions. Which quarterback has the biggest and smallest chance of falling out of round one? From Tua, Easton, or Herbert? So I think Easton has the biggest chance of falling out around one out of those names. I do. Uh, he didn't play last year at Washington. There's always been rumors about him off the field that he likes to have a good time. That's going to come under the the radar a little bit. I would say the smallest chance is Justin Herbert. He would have been a top six pick this year. He will be a top six pick next year, barring a catastrophic injury.
1: Yeah. And I'll agree with you with Easton. Uh, we haven't seen him play a lot. I know that he, was very good as a freshman, and then got hurt and kind of lost that job to Jake Fromm. So he's got to come back on the field and prove himself. So I would definitely say he has the biggest chance of falling out of round one. And I oddly, I agree with you, Justin Herbert. Maybe it's because we've done enough work on him already. Uh, He's another guy that we thought was going to come out, and he didn't. He went back to Oregon. So I've already watched a ton of tape on him and and the way he can play. I think that he's going to end up probably is quarterback one in this class. And Tua and From are great. Uh, I think Tua will probably be QB two. But they're, they're great college quarterbacks. They're not elite prospects, like you would want to think. The very good national championship winner, but not
0: elite prospects. I mean, they're no Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. Uh, love that guy. Next question, Jack Pollard. Jack's one of those new listeners, right? That like came out firing with some questions. It feels so. like... Which team has had the most impressive UDFA signing? So we covered the top five guys uh, that we each liked. I really think like, so I will say I thought the bucks did a good job. The Raiders did a good job. I thought the chiefs did a very good job. Um, The dolphins I thought did a good job.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with the Chiefs not being a homer, but they picked up some really good guys. Uh, the Raiders, I agree with you too. I had them. Uh, they go and get a fullback. I had he him on my, my list. Yep, he yeah. was on my list too. Alec Ingold out of Wisconsin. So I would actually probably go with the Raiders. I really like what they've done this offseason. As soon as Mayock took over, uh, it looks like things have turned Man, he, around there.
0: He's really done a good job. Like,
1: he didn't trade, <laughs> you know, Khalil Max, so you no, can't blame him for that one. But everything after that, I really felt like he did a good job. And I know they lost Amari Cooper, and people will go say like, "Look at what he did in Dallas," but look what he was doing in Oakland. Like it wasn't working. I think that was a good change of scenery, probably for both teams. And then you use that pick and you get, like, I think, that, was that the Josh Jacobs pick? Yeah. you got to be happy with that one. So what Mayock's doing there with the UDFAs, I would say that he he brought in the best haul.
0: Yeah, I think, I really do think, um, and I know there were a lot of Raider fans who really appreciated that we were positive about this draft because apparently some people weren't. I don't know what people weren't. Y'all got into Marshawn stash. I don't know what you're watching to not love what this team has done in the offseason.
1: Yeah, it's, I really, I, I have no idea. It's probably the Cleveland Furl pick, and we talked about it before. It was probably a little bit of a reach, but if you know that's your edge rusher, you don't want to take a chance on him going to six because I really do think he was in play at pick number six overall. I think the Giants yeah. could have taken him, and you don't want to have to trade. you going to trade back one spot right. and take Cleveland. I said
0: that on radio today. It was like what people don't realize. We were talking about Frank Clark. Is there weren't many four three defensive ends in this draft? Mm-hmm. There was Nick Bosa. He went two. It was Cleveland Furl. He went four. After that, it was a lot of small guys. Like, Brian Burns ain't playing 4-3 defensive end. Yeah, Montez Sweat, he would have to pack on a lot of weight yeah. to handle Josh that. Josh Allen? Hell no.
1: Yeah, I agree with you,
0: too. So, it's like you needed those certain positions. You you got to swing the bat to get them. Tyler Fornest, my favorite tall person now that Dan is dead. Why is there such a big difference at times in how NFL talent evaluators and draft analysts view prospects, i.e. Daniel Jones going 6 and Farrell 4? So... Like this is a great question, Tyler. I honestly feel like we could spend thirty minutes talking about this. So I'll try to be brief. I think a lot of times there are. Think of all the draft analysts that you consume their work. There's us, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, Lance Zerline, Chad Ryder. That's just an NFL Network, right? Then there's Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, Lewis Riddick, basically whoever ESPN has. Our guy Matt Bowen tweets about the draft. Then you have any other brands just guys on Twitter. you know There are a lot of draft opinions out there, and you hear and consume all those. You We don't consume how NFL talent evaluators actually value players, most of us, unless you have a relationship, people will talk to you. So I think with Daniel Jones going six, you got to be careful about saying that the NFL liked him more than Twitter did or whatever. It, no, it means Dave Gettleman did. And like with Cleveland Furl, like you just said, it means Mike Mayock did. So I think that there can be a discrepancy there because, you know, a lot of times we don't get a lot of the opinions from the NFL teams unless it's I've never heard a team come out after kind of like the Broncos Redskins did of like, no, we weren't going to take Daniel Jones. We yeah. liked our guys. So I think that's an important factor of this, too. I did. um I wish I could give credit to whoever said this because I don't remember because that draft week was a blur for me. And someone said, you know what's interesting to think about? If when Mike Mayock came out and released rankings, say he stayed at NFL Network and he came out in January and he's like, hey, here's my first big board. And Cleveland Farrell was at four. How many people would have followed suit with that? And be like, Cleveland Farrell is a top 10 player in this class. A decent amount. I mean, there are always going to be folks that stand on their own evaluations. Um, I like to think that we are all like that here at Sticked Football and at Bleacher Report. But I I think that's an interesting question of the fact that we didn't. One of the most prominent draft voices of the last 20 years was not covering the draft this year. So I do wonder how much that affected the perception of of Furl. And I would say, too, that it takes one team in the NFL. So a lot of people
1: will say, man, the NFL really loved Daniel Jones. They took him at six. But like you said, no, that means Gettleman did. The 31 other teams might have said, this guy is shit. Why are they You're not taking right. him in the first round? But he goes six overall uh, because the Giants, maybe even they got bluffed to and other teams said they were going to take him or whatever. So it is hard to tell. I mean, it's it's political almost the way that these deals get worked out and people lie all the time. And it's, if you help me out here, I'll help you out there. So it's one team liking him, Other 31, maybe hated him.
0: You know, it's interesting. I looked, I had Clint Furrow compared to Frank Clark. So man, <laughs> if that ends up right, that's going to be such a good pick for them. Like, I, and
1: I hope it does. I really like Furl, and I want to see him be successful in the NFL. I think that he could be very good and, I didn't power rank my edge rushers, but I, he would have been up there. Pro, top four for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You he, need probably, to he probably would have, he would have been three. I, would I probably would have
1: been you. Bosa, Allen, and then Furl. Because you didn't like Sweater Burns that much. No, I would have had them next.
0: And then a huge drop off.
1: <laughs> and then like, no
0: one. And then a cliff. <laughs> and then Chase Winovich. Uh, actually, I bet you would have. Last question before a break. Who are some quarterbacks that could come out of nowhere and land in round one? Like, and he says, like Josh Allen and Daniel Jones type guys here. Doyle, Doyle Carroll asked this question and Doyle. I love you. Um, had an uncle Doyle, have an uncle Doyle still do still alive. um do I? Those guys didn't come out of nowhere. Like that's, that's the thing I want to say. Like Carson yeah. Wentz didn't come out of nowhere. Josh Allen, the year before he came out, I was saying that he would be a top five pick if he came out that year. Daniel Jones, we've known about all year because he was at Duke. Like, so I, I would just say that, and not, not that you're wrong, man, because I understand, like, if you consume the draft at kind of a high level, you're not going to be in the weeds and know these names of these guys that are, like, that are, you know, at small schools like Wyoming or, mm-hmm. you know, Duke is not exactly an NFL factory. So as far as quarterbacks that you maybe haven't heard of, oh, I don't know if there are any. I just realized I my son that, that sound. I there are very... There are four very very popular
1: quarterbacks: Tua, Herbert, From, and everybody's talking about Easton as well. After that, I think that's where we start to get into these maybe unheard of guys like Brian Lewerke, uh, Chase he was Patterson so bad last year. Like, but those are probably I don't know to me they're well known names. Yeah. Uh, I so I I looked up some smaller school guys here. <laughs> Tom Flacco from Townsend. It's, yep, his little Joe brother. brother yeah. uh, he is a guy that I saw Nagy tweeting out about for watching him for the senior ball. So yep. that's a name that I would keep an eye on. And Riley Neal at Vanderbilt, actually. Yeah, uh, He's a transfer from Ball State, and somebody was sliding into my DMs about him uh, over the summer or over the fall, late fall. I like his game a lot. And I'll tell you, I also like a lot of the talent that Vanderbilt has on that team. They have a very good receiver, a running back, and a tight end coming back. If Riley Neal can get those guys the ball, he's going to come out of nowhere and he's going to kind of be a stock-up guy. I don't know if you would say Blake Barnett is out of nowhere uh, because he was an Elite 11 MVP. like He beat out Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen for some awards. So he's another guy that maybe if he gets his shit together, you could talk about him
0: as a quarterback. I was like, like Nate Stanley at Iowa has the size. Mm. I don't think he's a very good player. And then Jake Bentley at South Carolina doesn't have the size, but he's someone that there's at least been some talk about for a while. I couldn't find his name because I don't know what's going on with my Google. I want to say I remember North Texas. Having a quarterback? Yeah, he's small, though. Okay.
1: He's, yeah, I can't think of his name either. Mason Fine? Yeah, I, he's yep. a smaller guy. But you know what? We just said earlier, like that doesn't matter. Very good college quarterback. I don't know that we're going to talk about him as a prospect. Yeah but you've also probably heard me say that the last two years about the guy that went first overall. Jalen Hurts, that's the answer. It's Jalen yeah. Hurts. Yeah, he, He's going to be a third-rounder. Yeah, Put that out there right now so we yep. can see
0: him go first overall next year. Exactly. All right, Mello, let's take a break. We'll come back, close this out with six more draft-on-draft draft questions. All right, Mello, six more draft-on-draft draft questions, then we're going to get out of here for the weekend. Mason, well-beloved, wants to know, what do you think the Dolphins should do in the draft if Rosen does, doesn't does play like a franchise quarterback? So I think if he does play like a franchise quarterback, let's say they're drafting early because it's still not a very good team. Mm-hmm. I would be all in on Chase Young or A.J. Epinesa and try to get a young pass rusher, especially on the edge. After, um, yeah, I think they've invested some in the middle of the D-line. I mean, Christian Wilkins, uh, obviously a, a pretty big name there for them. And I would agree with you. I don't think they will be
1: drafting for quarterback in 2020. Uh I expect Rosen to do enough that they're going to try to build around that. He's super cheap, so I mean you could replace him. I just I expect him to have enough of a jump with some offensive line protecting him that he will be able to do enough to keep that job for at least another year to where they can go into 2021 or the actual 2020 season saying, okay, Josh Rosen is going to be successful. Let's surround him with some pieces now. Uh, they do need to get some skill players there. Defense is looking very good, but I, I don't think that they will be replacing Josh Rosen. He's very cheap. Uh, you have him for a couple more years. He's right. I mean, you have four more years of play out of his contract. So I think that you're going to stick with Josh Rosen and get like a Chase Young, a Walter Little, you know, somebody like that.
0: Yeah, and I mean... Uh, Laramie Tunsell is going to come up very soon. They're going to have to to sign him. They got him at a discount because of the uh, bong mask video. You're not going to get a discount this time around. So he's going to get paid. They have some decent receivers there. If somehow they ended up better than we expect, I would look at running back. They really mm-hmm. have no one at running back. So guys like Travis Etienne, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. Next year's running back class is really, really good J.K. as well. J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins. So there's going to be a lot of names at the running back position that we talk about. So... Uh that would be maybe a, a surprise pick for them, but something to keep an eye on. And at the Oreo, are there any teams that could be considered dark horse contenders or playoff challengers after a successful draft? First off, he spelled horse H O U R S E. And are you British? And we didn't know it. <laughs> like color when you put a C O L O U R. Cow... Cow... cow. uh, House contenders. Um, Dark Horse contenders. Do the Raiders count? I I feel like I've been saying it for a while, so I don't know if they're Dark Horse contenders. Yeah, I don't know if you would count them. I mean, very good draft.
1: They're tough, tough in the AFC West, though. Not even being a homer. Not even going to say that team's name. There are good teams there. There are two teams that I think can can contend for Super Bowl... And yeah. then there's the Raiders. And I think the Broncos, yeah, everybody's going to steamroll them. Uh, I I would say that the Raiders are a contender for the playoffs, at least. I mean, all the picks that they have in return. Uh, Derek Carr, if, if he can just do anything, try to get the ball to those receivers,
0: yeah. he'll be a good team. I think the Raiders are one. The Browns are, that's no longer a dark horse. I
1: don't think so. And
0: I don't even think that's like a draft related thing. I think that we can just
1: go ahead and pencil them in. They will be in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. I don't see anyone else that's like, ooh, like no one's talking about these guys. They're going to be really good. Like, I don't think the Jets are going to be good. I don't think the Bengals are going to be good. Jacksonville. Like, the Bills won't. I.
1: Even like Jacksonville, I don't even really feel like as a dark horse because that defense is so good. And the
0: Raiders went four and twelve last year, so if they make the playoffs, I I want to call call that that a dark. I want to call, yeah. I don't think the Giants will be contending for a playoff spot this year. Can I take the Packers? They went six nine and one. (laughs) Does that count? (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, I'm get. This is not me being a homer because you heard how long it took me to get to this point. The Niners, Jimmy Garoppolo will be healthy. Quan Alexander coming in. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I still don't think they can beat the Rams enough times or the Seahawks.
1: Like you probably, you can probably get two from the Cardinals. I I don't know if they're really dark
0: horse contenders for the playoffs. If Nick Bosa has fifteen sacks, yeah, and Richard Sherman teleports back to two thousand thirteen, <laughs> and then back. to... Then we're good. Then we're good. We got a shot there. Uh, from the stick to football Hall of Fame. I didn't under- I didn't realize this was an account that could tweet things like this. Oh yeah. You know who's running it,
1: El Presidente Dan Barnes. God. (laughs) He's going to start calling himself El Presidente now. (laughs) Probably. Did you notice they all changed their Twitter handles? Oh, hell yeah. How many of them did it? At least four. It's so good. I didn't even realize. It's like, why is Dan Kiefer tweeting at me to have a good Monday? And why is, oh, wait, who is this? (laughs) Oh, I see what you did there, Mace. And then I realized that Kiefer did too, and I think Tyler Fornes did. Um,
0: But yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Them going with the underscore (laughs) Esquire. Nice little hat tip to you. Power rank these ethnic foods. Is that the right way to say that? I guess we're okay with it. Uh, Chinese, Italian, Mexican, American, other. Okay. That's tough. (laughs) Mexican's number one. Is it though? My favorite breakfast food is Mexican. And my favorite (laughs) dinner food is Mexican. What's your favorite dinner food? Fajitas. Oh yeah, <laughs> So nachos. Like, but I guess technically that's not. I mean, quote unquote. Someone's going to get at us and be like, "That's actually probably. not Mexican food. It's Tex-Mex." Well,
1: you know what you mean. Right. Mexican food is number one. I would, one. I would say Italian food is number one. You would like spaghetti, lasagna, some chicken parm. You just want Olive Garden breadsticks. Oh God, I'm probably gonna have to go to Olive Garden tonight. <laughs> I hope my daughters didn't hear that. Earlier. One of them definitely be- did. Oh, yeah. Like she's,
0: she's looking like, at me. <laughs> she's like, I'm gonna get so many mints. <laughs> like that. She's just staring daggers. <laughs> hope Dad's got a <laughs> gift card. We're going to Olive Garden. Um, so here's my Chinese food take. And I said, we live in the Midwest. Y'all know this. But cashew chicken was invented about an hour from us. Yep, Springfield Mo. Good Chinese food is amazing. The problem is there's a lot of bad Chinese food mm-hmm. out there. So it is at the bottom of the list
1: for me. Me too, actually. And I do really like Chinese food. I mean, I crave it sometimes, but I always get the same thing. And that's why it can't be ahead of Italian food or Mexican food or even American food uh, because I'm going to get the cashew chicken and that, like, that's it for me.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I like crab rangoon. I don't even like that. Yeah. I've I've really started eating finely noodles with my cashew chicken instead of rice because mm. my girlfriend does it. It's good. Like, yeah. That's not bad. Get some lo mein noodles
1: in exactly. there. Exactly. Um, very good food. But for me, if I'm power ranking, I'm going to go Italian, probably Mexican, American, Chinese. I don't even know what other. So
0: be. I actually kind of like like Greek food. Yeah, no. I'm not I like that Indian brave. food. Oh, God.
1: Yeah. You just
0: constantly shit your pants afterwards. <laughs> no, nah, I'm good with that actually. Well, yeah.
1: Where is it that they eat on Bridesmaids? The it Brazilian, Brazilian Steakhouse. steakhouse. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Those are good too. <laughs> those are really good. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe don't go to one that looks like it's a pawn shop. <laughs> Robert Basil. There's a blast in the past. The teams missing on George Kittle help TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant go round one? I don't think that it did.
1: I think Hawkinson and Fant did enough. I think they helped each other. Like We've seen these guys before kind of cannibalize each other and take uh, the value away from one another. I don't think they did. I actually think that they paired up very nicely together and helped each other stay in round one. Uh, George Kittle going in, what, round six was crazy, but I don't think people were looking at that draft pick and saying, okay, we got to go to Iowa. Apparently, they have good tight ends. I mean, if anything, you're going to go look at that defensive line. I think Noah Fant and Hawkinson, I think they just helped themselves out. They're great prospects, and we haven't seen tight ends like them in a long time.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that like Fant was such a really a transcendent athlete. I mean, he's such a good athlete that I think that really helped put him in that conversation. We know this guy's mm-hmm. going to go round one. Hawkinson was just so well-rounded that mm-hmm. I, I can't see any way. I mean, it maybe helps that you... Like you can look at Kittle and some of the Iowa tight ends that have come out over the years and be like, okay, like that's safe. I know you used to say this a lot, Mello of like people from Iowa don't bust, you know? And like yeah, you just you have to watch what they're going to do because right. they're gonna have somebody
1: uh in the first three rounds, almost every year, it seems like they're gonna produce somebody who's gonna play in the NFL for twelve years.
0: And just have an excellent career. Yeah, so I think I think that's a lot of it. You got to kind of keep an eye on those dudes. Uh, Joe Willis, a lot of questions. Tonight. I love this. Are there any corners in 2020 that could be a top 15 pick, or will we see uh, another uh, cornerback? Where is it? Cornerback with limited round one talent. So I I like the corner class. Man, I don't know about anyone being like Denzel Ward or anything like that. It's tough. I watched C.J. Henderson out of Florida. He's big.
1: He is big. He's 6'1", probably 185-plus. The thing about him is that he has not been playing corner for very long. Two seasons. He was a high school running back, Mm -hmm. and Florida moved him to corner. I think that he has a real chance to be something very special. Uh, I love the way that he runs very fast. And uh, one, Just a pet peeve of mine is corners that play with their back to the ball. He does not do that. This dude is always turning and looking for the ball. So maybe I'm just a little biased on him already, but I think he could be a very good corner, especially with that length
0: and that speed. So I would, I would keep my eye out on him. Yeah. Um, there is another the kid from Alabama name is escaping Trayvon me. Diggs. Trayvon Diggs is good. Uh, Christian Fulton from LSU. Obviously they're mm-hmm. really, they're really good at cornered LSU. Um, so yeah, there's some good names to keep an eye on next year. Um, I think it's better than 2019 at the top. The depth in 2019 was actually really, really good. The depth
1: at every position in 2019 was very good. So I don't know that we will see that in
0: 2020, actually. I think it's going to be very top-heavy. Every time we talk about the draft, I'm going to say it like Barbara Walters. 2020.
1: I know. That's a, Every time I read it from something <laughs> that I have typed up, I read it in her voice.
0: Yeah. Uh, we've talked about our kids a lot tonight. Can I, I want to read you a story. Uh, our mom has my son tonight. He wanted to, my, our parents run a charity and he loves to go help them. So he went up there tonight and she said that he put purple grapes by the mailbox And then parked my mom, they parked my mom's SUV, so our dad would have to park his truck by the mailbox. And he is convinced that the birds will eat the grapes and poop purple on our dad's truck. And he's like, (laughs) thinks this is going to be the funniest thing that's ever happened. So that's what you're dealing with when you mess with our kids. All right, last question from an NFL scout, apparently. Or is that just third? No, this is... Their account name is NFL scout. Oh well, it worked for me, which of Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins and drew Locke steps into the best team situation right away. Who will have the most success based on surrounding coaches and player personnel. So, I, I, I don't think anyone steps into a great situation. We're not going to see Drew Locke right away. Mm-hmm. Probably not as a rookie. They love Joe Flacco out there. So, like, Kyler Murray, it's great because he's got his coach that, like, he's going to run his scheme. They drafted three receivers. He's mm-hmm. going to get to... Has Larry Fitzgerald. Has David Johnson. Has Christian Kirk. I think it's Dwayne Haskins. Really? I love Darius guys. You have an offensive line with Trent Williams. Yeah. Morgan Moses as your bookends. You got Brandon Scherf up front. Um, it, this is a good team. Their receivers aren't great. I, like I'll say that. I like Josh Doxson. The receivers there aren't anything to write home about. They're going to obviously need to get a little bit better there, but they drafted Scary Terry. Paul mm. Richardson can stretch the field. It's like they have, uh, they got Kelvin Harmon, uh, Connor's guy in round six. It's like they have some dudes there. I I really do think that he's such a good fit for Jay Gruden's scheme. I think Kevin O'Connell was a really good quarterback's coach. It's going to be fun watching him as an OC. I I think this is a pretty good spot.
1: Yeah, and I think that he comes in, obviously, with that chip on his shoulder now, and that's huge for me. If you go number one overall, I think a lot of guys, uh, Jamarcus Russell is the one that comes to mind for me. He came into the NFL with this, I've made it, you know, attitude. Whereas if he would have slid to maybe pick 15, been the third quarterback taken, he might've come in with this. I'm going to prove everybody wrong and I'm going to be a pro Bowl quarterback. And I think that's what Dwayne Haskins is going through. You all overlooked me. You think Daniel Jones is better than me when I wanted to be in New York. Now I'm going to come prove you wrong. Uh, So I do like his fit there. I think it's very hard to overlook the fact that the Broncos have a great defense though, but they also have a very talented conference so I don't. I don't know. I would. I'm kind of swaying my vote to you. I was going to say Drew Locke. yeah, uh,
0: but I think you might be right with Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't lock on the field. I like. I really do like Drew Lock. I think it's gonna be fun.
1: And even their skill positions are young. They, they don't have any. Like, I know Lindsay last year rushed for like a thousand yards, but let's kind of pump the brakes and see if he can do that again as an undrafted free agent from last year. I just that's hard to do to come from nowhere and really be productive, especially at his size. I I hope it works out for him. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another running back in there by the end of the year. I mean, they drafted a couple last year.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. All right, man, it's a fun show. Uh, We appreciate you guys sending in questions. We love getting back involved with you guys. Melo Connor and I will be on here Sunday morning. I'm pushing hard for a 2020 mock draft. It's mock draft Monday. I think we need to do one. I don't know that these guys are sold. So oh, tweet no. at us. I am ready. You're sold? <laughs> okay. Tweet it at Mello, at Connor J. Rogers, at Stick to Football. Tell them you want a 2020, a 2020 mock draft on Monday morning. Mello's going to Olive Garden. I don't know where the hell I'm going. We appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you real soon. Don't forget, subscribe so you get the show downloaded automatically every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning.